Welcome to Hump Day. It is Wednesday, the 6th of May. This is The Briefing. I'm Tom Tilly. It's the show that gets you up to speed every morning on the news that you need to know. And this morning I'm joined by Annika Smethurst. Hello, Annika. Morning, Tom. Yeah, later on in the program we are going to learn about the future of live music in Australia after the coronavirus and how much the industry's hurting. Yeah, it's hurting big time. You're going to hear what industry veteran Michael Chugg thinks about Splendour going ahead in October. Uh, And also he'll give some details on how he thinks gigs will look Uh, going forward as we slowly end the lockdown. First, let's find out what else is going on in the world. Now, Tom, we learned a lot after yesterday's National Cabinet meeting about the coronavirus restrictions, so we're going to run you through the key updates. I wouldn't want a crystal ball too far ahead, but I don't think we'll be shaking hands and randomly hugging and and getting crowded in rooms for a long time. Randomly hugging is not on the menu for a little while. That was the Chief Medical Officer, Brendan Murphy. Uh, He also says 100,000 people won't be packing into a footy stadium for a grand final anytime soon. You probably thought that would have put the Melbourne Cup in doubt too. Mm. And one thing we will see, though, is businesses starting to reopen. We will hear more about this on Friday. But Scott Morrison has said it's time to focus on getting millions of people recently unemployed back to work. But to get Australia back to work, we have to get Australians back to work in a COVID-safe economy. And the National Cabinet is working very hard to define what that looks like. But as long as these restrictions are in place, they are costing our economy some $4 billion a week. And the other big news from the National Cabinet meeting yesterday was that the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinta Ardern dialed in and they talked about this idea of the trans-Tasman travel bubble. Getting back control of the virus has been to try and get back to some form of normality. International travel won't feel like that for some time, but if we can find a way to make it work with uh, Australia, uh, then that would give that sense of normality, if we can make it work. Yeah, so anybody looking to book that trip to Wellington or Auckland, just hold off a little bit because we were told that flights between the two countries will resume, but once interstate travel is happening again, and that could still be a few months away. The Kiwi Prime Minister also confirmed we won't have to do that two-week mandatory quarantine uh, when in hotels once we uh, land in Auckland or back in Australia. Yeah, and speaking of um, travel... Qantas boss Alan Joyce has flagged there could be flights as cheap as $19 between Melbourne and Sydney as they tempt people to get moving again once restrictions are lifted. And of course, we're going to find out more about the restrictions when the Cabinet meets again on Friday. Yeah, and just one other little bit of COVID news. There was a another revelation from the inquiry into the Ruby Princess fiasco yesterday um, with this senior New South Wales health official, Kellyanne Ressler, giving this emotional admission in the hearing. Myself and my colleagues at the Public Health Unit were working very hard on this. We did what we could. The Council of Trade Unions is pushing for Australia's minimum wage to be lifted to $810 a week to help lift us out of recession. Yeah, it's worth noting we're not in a recession yet, but it looks like we will be soon. The union says raising the minimum wage by 4% or $30 a week would be a big help. They also want pandemic leave. Paid pandemic leave would allow workers to go and get tested, to be paid for that day to go and get tested, and for them to be paid to isolate should it turn out that they're positive. That was Sally McManus there. And look, that might be something the unions are pushing for, but Attorney General Christian Porter has already poured cold water on the idea. He says it would stop employers from creating new jobs right at the time we need them the most. Yeah, it does seem um, like a bit of a pipe dream, don't you think, Annika? The union's calling for a wage rise at this time. So many Australian businesses are 
are going out of business because of the coronavirus and really struggling to get on their feet again. How could they afford to pay more wages? Yeah, and in other areas, we're seeing a lot of red tape actually be lifted to help uh, create business and create opportunities. So it does seem a little counterproductive to that, but a lot of people are doing it tough out there. And the Queen has finally picked up the phone to call Scott Morrison to congratulate him on the success of containing the coronavirus. Um, she sends Australia her very best wishes. I will note that call came a week after she called Jacinta Ardern, Annika. Yeah, Australia's High Commissioner to the UK, George Brandis, tweeted after midnight last night that the Queen had checked in. She was apparently very pleased Australia had managed to prevent the terrible impacts of the virus that we're seeing in some other countries, such as her own, where the death toll has risen above 30,000. So what's your read on that? You understand a little bit more about the way these processes work. Is she just the Queen working through a list of people in the Commonwealth and, you know, Jacinta Ardern um, is maybe higher up the alphabetical order than Scott Morrison or does she like Jacinta Ardern more? Is that why she called her? What do you think is going on there? Look, I'm sure people will read into it the way, but that way, but the one thing we do know about the Queen is she stays out of politics and she doesn't like to show her hand. So I think A for Ardern, M for Morrison, there's more than 50 Commonwealth countries and it might just have come down to timing. You're listening to The Briefing. Now, let's get deep into gigs in the time of corona. Do you have tickets for a gig that's been cancelled or postponed? Did you ask for your money back or are you still holding out for it? Yeah, Tom, this has affected almost everyone. A huge number of people had tickets to something and all gigs have had to be rescheduled or cancelled. Here's just some of them. Splendour in the Grass, Vivid, Tame Impala, The Rubens, Tones and I, Coachella, Blues Fest, Backstreet Boys, Groove in the Moo and Dark Mofo, but there's so many more. Yeah, it's absolutely smashed the industry um, and the industry's asking fans to hold on to their tickets rather than ask for refunds. And a lot of fans are doing that, but a lot of fans seem to be really frustrated as well. There's been a substantial increase in complaints to the state fair trading bodies. Annika, let's have a look at what some music fans are saying online, venting their frustration. Ashley on Facebook said, I've still not received my refund. It's been well beyond the 20 working days since you last told me my refund details had been given to the finance department. I've sent further emails and I've not had a response. I'll be taking this to fair trading. Yeah, here's one from a guy called Chris on Facebook responding to the Iron Maiden cancellation. Uh, Ticket Deck Australia You should have done the honourable thing weeks ago and cancelled the tour then. You're a shameless bunch of greedy pigs. So pretty intense reactions. There's there's lots of that effect. People who've asked for a refund um, who haven't got them yet also complaining about um, the level of customer service, which seems to be really lacking in this crazy time. Yeah, and you can understand the frustration. Everyone's doing it tough. And if you're out of a job, that money could be really important to you. So, look, to find out how the industry is reacting, we're about to speak to Michael Chuck, one of Australia's most successful promoters. But first, let's get a sense of how the artists are feeling. Yeah, we've got Dave Hosking on the line. He's the lead singer of Boy and Bear. So this is an Aussie band, um, you know, mid-level band who've been through a lot. They're actually off the road with health problems for a few years and they finally got back together, released an album late last year and they were just days away from touring that album finally when the coronavirus forced them to postpone. Dave, thanks for joining us. How hard has this been for you and the band? Um, well, yeah, all of the above really. I mean, we released a record at the end of last year and this was going to be our kind of first major big Australian tour since releasing that music. 
it sucks really. We were looking forward to playing new music and, you know, touring is also our bread and butter and it's what keeps food on the table for us. So in the meantime, there's a little less food on the table. Had you already spent a lot of money um, paying for venues and production? Is there, is there money that you won't get back there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you pay. We were promoting the tour ourselves up. Uh, well, when I say us, us and our management, so you're paying for those marketing dollars up front uh, as well as venue holds and a, and a whole bunch of costs. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, Dave, you chose to reschedule the show to November, not to yeah. cancel. Uh, given that we have no idea where we're going to be in November, in fact, where we're going to be next week, what was the strategy behind that? Uh, there's been some criticism that some bands are doing this to hang on to ticket sales. Uh, did that come into consideration? Look, I think it's a really valid point. I mean, the challenge at the moment is obviously we'd sold a considerable amount of tickets. You know, abandon our position. We're trying to look for an opportunity to kind of keep the tour alive, still do the tour later in the year. And I think originally we were looking into August and it got became clear that that, that wasn't going to happen. You know, this whole time we're talking to our management and we're talking to our booker and looking for kind of future windows of being able to push the tour till or push the tour to, sorry. You know, if we can um, hang on to those tickets and do the shows, that's the ideal. Um, but of course, if, if that's not possible, then um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, you've been urging your fans to hashtag keep their ticket, which is an industry-wide campaign. Obviously makes it a lot easier for you guys to survive if you can hold on to that money and eventually deliver the, the product when you can. Do you reckon most people have asked for a refund or most people have hung on to their tickets that bought tickets to your tour? So most people have hung on to them. And Dave, you're obviously in an industry that's been one of the hardest hit in the coronavirus. What's morale like? What's the mood like amongst uh, musos? Um, when we got the news that we have to postpone the tour, we all caught up and had a beer and sort of had a, like it was almost sort of funny how ironic it was <laughs> that we'd worked to that point and we were sort of right at the, that point of actually being able to tour and and obviously got canned. And I don't know, we've just adjusted. We've just gone into writing. Um, we're all writing in isolation and sending stuff around. And I think in amongst all this, there's so many industries that have been hit and people have to adapt. I guess the music uh, industry is no different. Yeah, well, all the best with it, Dave. It's obviously such a stressful time to be a musician. Hope you can go ahead in, in November. Yeah, yeah, me too. Thanks a lot. So that was Dave from Boy and Bear. Um, they're hoping they will eventually tour later in the year. Let's speak to Michael Chug now. He's one of Australia's biggest and most successful promoters. He's had to push back loads of tours because of the coronavirus. Michael Chug, thanks for joining us. You've been in the game for over 50 years is this the biggest hit to the industry you've ever seen? Oh, yeah. There's been never been anything even remotely close to this. I mean, you know, we've had pub laws change and we've had lockout, the lockouts in New South Wales, obviously, and all that, but nothing, nothing, nothing like this ever. And you're part of an industry push encouraging fans to hold on to their tickets. What's behind that? If, if you postpone a uh, tour and you come up with... Um, you know, new dates and, uh, you know, you give the people, the people have got the option actually, the policies here are pretty good. If you don't want to hold on to your tickets, you can get a refund. And if people can hold on to their tickets and they don't need the money for themselves, um, in the long run, it helps the industry. 
Moving a tour from uh, July to December is plenty of time for people to um, get refunds. From an industry point of view, I think what we're doing in Australia is 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 very fair. One Go of the on. festivals that has been rescheduled is Splendour. Um, you've said that international artists might not be here for another year. So what do you give the chances of it going ahead in October? You know, it's a punt. They're taking a punt. You know, I don't want to be negative towards Splendour or any of the festivals. You know, we'd like to have a couple going on as well. But I think October is very ambitious. Yeah. So how do you manage that, Michael Chug? How do you work towards best case scenarios but do it in a way that's fair to the, the fans. I mean, could you reschedule twice if it doesn't happen the first rescheduled oh, dates? I'm not one pushing to open up tomorrow. I think what's going on in Spain and France is just ridiculous um, when they're still getting uh, huge amounts of cases. And I think we're doing the right thing here and we've got a good chance that we'll get it open. But What's are they going to let 12,000 people go into Kudos Arena or are they going to tell us we're going to have to split it up and do two nights of 6,000 or something? Or are we even going to be able to play in arenas? So we just, we've done the right thing. We've moved it. If we have to move it till next year, we'll move it to next year. And are those the sort of things the uh, industry is willing to sort of compromise on? That might be smaller crowds or, you know, as you say, splitting events over a few nights. Is that something you're willing to work on with, uh, ind- oh, with authorities? Going. I think we're going to have to. I could see eight nights of 500 people a night at the Metro. I think we're just going to have to do whatever we're told and uh, and get on with it. And, you know, I don't think the live music scene is going to come back like it was, very quickly. When it all does start to come back, I think you'll find that Australian music is probably going to mean more than it's ever meant in the history of Australian music. There's been some medical advice that says if we don't have a vaccine, then we can't have large-scale music events. And, you know, given that's months or even years away, what impact will that have on music fans and the sort of gigs they'll have access to? Um Watching, watching some of the countries that have got really on top of this, like Taiwan and South Korea with the temperature testing and, and uh, the disinfecting everything and watching how they're dealing with stuff, I think festivals can happen without an antidote. If they find a vaccine, great. But I think if they do the testings right, I mean, there's going to be a lot of differences. It's like there's going to be a lot of barriers put in place, like how where how close you can be to each other. Obviously, there's going to be limited capacities. There's going to be very careful health checks. That's got to happen. They're not going to just let this go away because, you know, there have been a couple of instances where they have uh, overseas opened up areas and all of a sudden they've got huge pods of uh, coronavirus again. All right, Michael Chuck, great to hear your positivity and enthusiasm for moving forward in a way that keeps the music to the fans but in a safe way. Thanks so much for speaking to us on The Briefing. It's a pleasure. Annika, really interesting to hear the way Michael Chug is seeing the future of the music industry. I guess from the punter point of view, it's it's all well and good to hold on to your ticket and not ask for a refund 
if you've still got a job. But if you're doing it really tough, you'd be desperate for that ticket money. Yeah, Tom, even the smallest amount of money um, helps at the moment for people, you know, whether it's $60 or a couple of hundred dollars for a ticket, you might think that that's a little bit better to have in your pocket. So you really can understand the frustration there. But look, it looks like the industry is adapting and artists too, you know, spending the time writing. So finding ways to get through to the other side of this. Yeah, it could be a different music scene, but small gigs, loads of focus on Aussie artists. There could be some silver lining there, as Chuck mentioned. That is it for today. Tomorrow on the podcast, if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, which is so understandable during this coronavirus, we've got uh, a deep dive on mental health, um, the signs to look out for and where you can go for help if you are struggling. That's on tomorrow's episode of The Briefing. Get it on the Podcast One Australia app or whichever app you normally get your podcasts at. Speak to you then. A Podcast One production.